0: Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for the inspiration already. Thank you for the privilege to come into your presence and worship you this Sabbath morning. And we open your word now with anticipation that you will speak to our hearts. We ask that you would change our lives today as we encounter the risen Jesus. We pray it in his name. Amen. Topic today is a wake-up call. A wake-up call. We can't uh, hold on to it, we can't stop it, we can't make it go faster, we can't slow it down. I'm talking about time. And recently I've become very aware of time and of the times in which we live. I think many of us have been thinking about time and the signs of the times. And the reality is that the signs of the times are speaking with clarity today. Uh, you know, in addition to COVID that has ravished our world, um, we have so many natural disasters, you know. And, and uh, in fact, just last year, the fourth highest, uh, you know, bill, if you want to put a bill on, on what it takes to deal with natural disasters, was last year. Almost $300 billion U.S. This was the most costly natural disaster last year, Hurricane Ida. 75 billion dollars but it's not just hurricanes it's floods Europe you know you've seen you've seen the news Worst floods in 500 years in Europe, and of course in British Columbia right next door, crazy flooding. Many of these weather issues, of course, are related to climate change, and, and they are uh, signs of the times. Increase in forest fires. Not only is climate change causing you know, excess precipitation in some places, it's causing drought in other places. And uh, we, we've seen this in recent years. But the reality is, Uh, We're also in an economic situation that is alarming. If you follow it, uh, you realize that our governments are trying to balance uh, something right now because inflation is getting away on us, and so they're starting to raise the interest rates. Well, it's kind of, if I can use the analogy, it's kind of like if your house is on fire, throwing a glass of water on it because interest rate hikes take usually about six months before they have an effect on inflation. And I'm not a prophet nor a son of a prophet, but I would expect this soaring inflation will continue to run rampant. Um, they're concerned if they raise the interest rates too much, it's going to crash the economy and we're just trying to recover you know, from, from COVID. And so we've got a real balancing act going on financially. And all of these signs, Jesus said they are like birth pains. You see, birth pains, one contraction doesn't mean the baby's going to come immediately, right? In fact, I remember the first time Nancy and I had a baby, uh, she had a contraction, and right away it was in the middle of the night, you know, it was late at night, and I was timing them, you know, it was like 25 minutes apart, and Nancy said, relax, we got a ways to go. <laughs> But with birth pains, they start coming closer and closer together and they get stronger and stronger. And as those pains begin to ramp up in intensity and frequency, we know that we're getting closer and closer to the coming of the baby. So it's not one sign. It's a combination of signs coming closer and closer together, stronger and stronger. So, of course, this invasion of Ukraine is not the one sign that says Jesus is coming soon, but it's part of many. It's part of the big picture that reminds us. How many of you ever thought we'd see in Europe a war like this again? Folks, Jesus told us there would be wars and rumors of wars. And and one war is not the sign that Jesus is coming soon. But you understand what I'm saying. It's the big picture. It's everything coming faster and faster together, stronger and stronger. And so the good news is Jesus is coming soon. The golden morning is fast approaching. Jesus soon will come. And I can't wait for that day. But there is something I'm very concerned about. And that is this. I'm speaking heart to heart with you now this morning. What I'm concerned about is that the church is sleeping. The church is sleeping. Uh, Jesus said it would be that way. In fact, Matthew 25, he told this parable, and it was read earlier. Um, but let's just review it quickly again. Jesus says, At that time, what's he talking about? In context, he's talking about Matthew 24, where Jesus tells the signs of his coming. All right? So, just before Jesus comes, he says, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lambs and went out to meet the bridegroom. Who's the bridegroom here? Jesus, that's right. Who do the virgins represent? The church, of course. It says, five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. Now this is interesting because it seems to me that in weddings today, It's usually the bride that takes so long getting ready. Isn't that right? (laughs) But uh, here it was the bridegroom that took so long. And during the delay, it says, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. And at midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. I want to ask you a question. How many of the virgins slept? They all did. And, and that, of course, is the point. They all became drowsy and fell asleep. There was a delay. It, it seemed that the bridegroom should have come already, but, but he was a long time in coming. And so all of the virgins slept. And today I'm concerned because the church is sleeping at a time when the signs of the times indicate that the bridegroom is just about to arrive. And so this is a wake-up call today. Those, those virgins... Each had a lamp. It kind of looked like a little teapot almost. they pour oil in it, olive oil, and a wick that came out the end, and they would light it. And often after it went out, you know, there's little charred bits on the end. They have to trim that wick and, and get it lit again. But, but when the bridegroom was coming, they were all out of oil in their lamps. Fortunately, the five wise ones had brought a little vessel, a little container of extra oil. And so they poured it in and they lit their lamps. But the, uh, the reality is, and we're told in Christ's Object Lessons, page 408, the reality is all these virgins looked about the same. They did. She says in the parable, all the ten virgins went out to meet the bridegroom. All had lamps and vessels for oil. For a time there was seen no difference between them. And so with the church that lives just before Christ's second coming. We all look like we're ready for Jesus to come, but that's not the case. All have a knowledge of the Scriptures. All have heard the message of Christ's near approach and confidently expect His appearing. But as in the parable, so it is now. A time of waiting intervenes. Faith is tried, and when the cry is heard, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet Him. Many are unready. They have no oil in their vessels with their lamps. They are destitute of the Holy Spirit. The lamps, of course, represent the Word of God. What did David say? Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet. The oil represents the Holy Spirit. And those five foolish virgins, they had the lamp. They had the Word of God. But they were destitute of the Holy Spirit. And folks... They were in trouble because as the story goes, you know, as the wise virgins put more oil in the lamps and got them lit, ready to go, the foolish ones said, please give us some of your oil. Our lamps, you know, have gone out. Give us some of your oil. And they said, no, we can't. Otherwise, we won't have enough. They said, you go and get oil from people that sell it. Who do you buy oil from at midnight? I'm not sure. But you go and you find your own oil because we can't give you ours. I want to tell you, these ladies, and it's hard to see this picture well, but you can see the five foolish virgins on the left of the picture there, and they're, they're pleading, please give us some of your oil. And the wise virgins are pouring, pouring oil in getting some. They saying, no, we can't, we can't give you Oil. You've got to go and get your own. In other words, the five foolish virgins were not ready. They made a profession of waiting for the bridegroom to come. But they were not ready. And the wise ones who were ready, they said, you go and get ready. I want to tell you something, folks. When the cry goes out, behold, the bridegroom cometh, it is too late to get ready. It's too late. I don't know about you, I've heard of many people that no longer attend church. that are saying, you know, when I see the Sunday law, I'll get ready then. Folks, it's too late. It's too late. If we learn anything from this parable, it's that the church will be sleeping. Some of his followers, some of Jesus' followers will be ready and some will not. And if we wait until the midnight cry to get ready, we will be lost. I'm speaking pretty serious here, heart to heart, because this is a wake-up call. What do we learn? There's a big difference between being ready and getting ready. Jesus never said, you know, focus on getting ready when you see the signs. No, he said, be ready, be ready, because I'm going to come at a time when you do not expect. Now, it's interesting to me how it is that we would not expect him when the signs of the times are all around us. And yet the answer, of course, is we're sleeping Laodicea is sleeping. And the cry goes out. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. The whole church is asleep. Of course, Jesus says at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like the ten virgins. Let's take a look at the context here. Uh, At what time? Notice some of the signs. Matthew 24, 7, 8. Nation will rise against nation. And kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of what? The beginning of birth pain. And of course, the parallel in Luke 21, Jesus says, On the earth nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Can you say hurricane? Men will be faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world. Jesus said before he comes, there'll be a lot of fear in the world. You realize that two-thirds of Canadians were polled last week. Two-thirds of Canadians are afraid that this conflict in the Ukraine will escalate to a world war. And Jesus said, before he comes, there will be fear. People will be apprehensive of what's coming in the world. Now, our prime minister went on record yesterday and said, we must not get into a war with Russia. And of course, this is what other nations are doing. They say, we, we, we're we not going to fight. We're not going to get into this war. But folks, we need to be praying. We need to be praying. I tell you what, interesting times. The birth pains are coming closer and closer. They're getting stronger and stronger. And this today is a wake-up call. What does Jesus say? At that time, when you see these signs, at that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing nigh. Folks, our redemption is drawing nigh. Jesus is soon to come. Do you believe it today? Now, I'm not an alarmist. You know me. I'm not about crying wolf. You know, I'm here telling you when we hold our Bibles in hand and we look at what's happening in the world, we can't come to any other conclusion but that the coming of Jesus is near. Amen? Amen. Well, is the church asleep? Someone emailed me this a little while ago. Isn't it strange how much a $20 bill seems like such a large amount when you donate it to the church, but such a small amount when you go shopping? Isn't that strange? Isn't it strange how two hours seem so long when you're in church and so short when you're watching a good movie? Isn't it strange how people want front row seats for the concert or the game, but they do whatever is possible to sit in the last row at church? I can almost see you back there. Folks, the church is sleeping. You know it, and I know it. And Jesus said it would be so. But praise the Lord, he said there would be a wake-up call. Before he comes there would be a cry that goes out behold the bridegroom cometh come ye out to meet him. You know, Paul Revere back in 1775, our American friends, they, they love this story because the British had quietly slipped into Boston Harbor at night. They were ready to attack Concord and Lexington in the morning, but Paul Revere found out the British were in the harbor and he rode through the streets of Boston saying, wake up, wake up, the British are coming, the British are coming. Paul Revere became a hero American legend, really, because he gave the wake-up call at a time when people need to be roused from their sleep. And today, I am saying, wake up, wake up. Jesus is coming. Oh, friends, Paul gave a wake-up call in his day. The Apostle Paul, we're going to look at this passage here for the rest of our time, Romans 13, 11. He said, you know what sort of times we live in and you should live properly. It is time to wake up. You know that the day when we will be saved is nearer now than when we first put our faith in the Lord. Now, I'm not sure what signs Paul saw in his day. We know there was persecution. Of course, he ended up losing his head in Rome. His head was severed from his body. But uh, whatever signs he saw he was giving a wake-up call in his day, saying, you know the times we're living in. It's time to wake up because Jesus is coming soon. Well, in this wake-up call, Paul challenges us to do three things. We'll look at them briefly today. First of all, he says, love one another. Fill that in in your sermon outline, if you would. Love one another. Now, this is interesting because we, we might think, you know, when, when the call is given to wake up that there should be other things we would do but the first thing Paul says we just need to love each other here Paul is saying when we get closer and closer to the coming of Jesus it's so important that we love one another now listen here's what he said verse 8 owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another don't miss this we are obligated to love one another. We don't have a choice here, folks. If we're going to follow Jesus, we are obligated to love one another. If you love your neighbor, Paul says, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. And he says, this is all the more urgent for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is near than when we first believed. In light of the nearness of Jesus' coming, Paul says... We must love one another. Now this seems very basic. Yes, Pastor Jeff, we've heard this before. We know what Jesus said. But folks, we can never forget the basics, the core of what it means to live the Christian faith. It's kind of like golf. You know, there are some basics in golf. you got to keep your head down. You need to swing on plane. And you need to follow through. And these basics, you know, are, are so important. Even professional golfers always have to remember the basics. And as followers of Jesus, the very basic, most essential thing is that we love one another. Now, recently in, in my small group, uh, one of our members broke her leg. And she just had surgery this past week. And, and uh, you know, so... I just sent out an email to the other group members so maybe we could get some meals together this week so that her family would, you know, not have to worry about food prep at a time when there's surgery going on and other things. And, and so, you know, people just signed up every day for doing meals. And, and uh, Thursday night when we met at our group, this woman and her husband said, We just feel so loved. Just feel so loved. Now, I want to tell you this it's basic. But it's vital at a time when we are getting ready to meet Jesus, we must love each other. Of course, Jesus said it by this. Everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. It's the litmus test. If you love Jesus, we will love one another. Um, Now, I want to make this point because it's so important. Loving others is not a matter of emotion. It's a matter of action. All right. You know, this whole thing about loving one another, it's what you do that matters. And so I, I just urge you, I mean, think of Heidi Bombach. Heidi is the assistant director of the Rosedale Valley String Orchestra right here in Lacombe. She works with Naomi, Naomi Delafield. And, and so Heidi is reading her Bible a week ago. And she's just overcome with what's going on in the Ukraine. And she's reading her Bible. And God spoke to her, not in an audible voice, but in a deep impression in her heart. And Heidi sensed God saying to her, you need to go and help. And so within hours, you know, she... She had renewed her passport. She bought tickets, and she was on a plane to Poland. And now she is in a town just outside the border with Ukraine. And she has rented a little flat, and she's taking care of refugees. Right now, I mean, you, you can, by the way, you can see this on CTV News. They ran an article on it. But uh, uh, if, if by the way, you would like to help her in that ministry, uh, talk to Naomi Delafield. And she will get you hooked up. It's interesting that uh, Naomi has been, been uh, helping people to e-transfer her money so she can pay for rent and pay for food and pay for other things. But this is what love looks like. It's our actions, not our emotions. And the number one call in this wake-up call is to love. Love one another. The second thing, in this wake-up call, Paul challenges us to live decent lives. Decent lives. Uh, Notice what he says here, verses 12 to 13. He says, the night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. And put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Friends, in this wake-up call, it's an appeal for us to live right, for us to be living lives that will glorify God. Now, I, uh, I love the metaphor here. You know, it's, it's just take off the dirty deeds like your dirty clothes and just get rid of them. You know, Paul is appealing in very, very clear terms. We need to get rid of the dirty deeds. Well, what is he talking about? You know, as we read on, he names specific things. He says, God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute. We must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence in sleeping around and dissipation, that's talking about drunkenness, in bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Basically, the dirty deeds, if you could sum it up, it's living like the world. Living like the world. You know, uh, talk about grabbing everything in sight. There's a saying, when the going gets tough, the tough go shopping. Right? A little retail therapy you know, help us feel better. But folks, if we're just living to grab up everything inside and accumulate stuff, Paul says, that's got to stop. If we're sleeping around, Paul says, that's got to stop. If we're living in drunkenness, that's got to stop. He said, get rid of the dirty clothes. We need to live right. And why do we need to live right? Because our lives are need to be a witness to those around us. And when we're living like the world lives, we're not letting our light shine at all. Not at all. Listen, Jesus said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so this wake-up call is an appeal to live right, to live decent lives. Lives that will help others think well of Jesus because they've seen Jesus in you. Love the choir's version of let this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. you love that? You know, the Titanic, as it was sinking. You know the story. There were so many people in the frigid waters of the North Atlantic. The the lifeboats had been sent off half full, most of them. There were 700 people in lifeboats. Those are the people that survived. There were 1,500 people that drowned and like corks bobbing in those uh, frigid waters they were calling out to the lifeboats come back come back you know the lifeboats uh, you know were kind of pulling away why they were afraid if they got too close to the people in the water that too many people would get in the boats and they would Swamp, you know, and they would all drown. They were afraid to go back and help others because they were afraid that they would all drown if they did. And so, you know, the lifeboats out around the periphery, people plugging their ears because the folks in the water were screaming, come back, save us, help us, come back. And the folks in the lifeboats, the record is clear, only one lifeboat went back. Only one. I want to know, how could those people live with themselves? Knowing that they could have helped others, but they chose not to. Was there a risk? Of course. There's always a risk. They were afraid. How many of us are afraid to let our light shine? How many of us are afraid to witness for Jesus because we're afraid? What will others think of us? God help us. Jesus is coming soon. And the wake-up call says, love one another. And it says, let your light shine. Live decent lives. This is the wake-up call. The third thing, final thing that Paul says, and really this is the most important of all, let Jesus envelop us. Let Jesus envelop us. Notice what Paul said. He said, let the Lord Jesus Christ be as near to you as the clothes you wear then you won't try to satisfy your selfish desires. We all have selfish desires. But if we let Jesus be as close to us as the clothes we wear. When I get up this morning, I put on my clothes. I noticed you did the same. Uh, but, uh, you know, w- where I go, my clothes go. My clothes make me presentable. You know, and the fact is, we need to let Jesus envelop us just like our clothes. You know, put on Jesus. In fact, uh, the, you know, the voice version says, wrap yourselves in the Lord Jesus. I, this week when I was uh, struggling with my cold, I uh, was coughing a lot at night and I didn't want to keep my wife from sleeping and so I got out of bed and went out to the living room and I slept on the couch She didn't make me do it. (laughs) But I I did it voluntarily. And I got out there and I was sleeping on on the couch. I started feeling a little cold. And so I went to the closet and I got this big fleece blanket. And I just wrapped myself in that big fleece blanket. Oh, it felt so good. You know how soft fleece is. The Bible says wrap yourselves in the Lord Jesus. Let him envelop you you know Romans 13:14 in the New International version says clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. You see this clothing theme is coming on. It says get rid of the dirty deeds like dirty clothes, okay? And wrap yourself in Jesus. Let him envelop you. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus. This is what we call the righteousness of Jesus. Amen. When we are clothed with his life, clothed with Jesus, that is the power of God in us. So when we put on Jesus, we are putting on the capacity to love one another. When we put on Jesus, we are putting on the capacity to live decent lives. Unless we have wrapped ourselves in Jesus, we will not be able to love others. We will not be able to live lives that are a witness to others. And folks... If there's anything in these last days that Jesus is looking for, it's that our lives would declare to everyone how good God is. Our lives would help others be prepared for His coming. Friends, you know it, and I know it. There are many, many people in this world that don't yet know Jesus. And in these last hours, our primary goal needs to be that we would let our light shine, our primary goal. And so Jesus says to Laodicea there in Revelation 3.20, He says, look at me. I stand at the door, I knock. If you hear me call and open the door, I'll come right in. Just let Him. The the, the truth is, Jesus longs to be in our lives. He longs to envelop us. We just need to let Him in. And folks, as I appeal to you today, if there's something in your life where you're keeping Jesus at a distance, please, in light of the signs of the times, in light of the times in which we live, let Jesus in. That's Christ's appeal to Laodicea, the church that is asleep and doesn't even know it. There were some guys that would get together and play dominoes on Saturday night. And as... um, one fellow was on his way over to the friend's house. His wife said, now don't stay out past midnight. You know, she didn't want him staying out all night. Don't stay out past midnight. He says, I won't, I promise. And so he went over to his friend's place and they were enjoying the game. And Now his friend <clears throat> had a grandfather clock, but it wasn't working quite right. And uh, he was trying to fix it, but he didn't have it fixed quite right. And, and uh, as they were playing, you know, hours went by, and he was kind of listening to the clock in the hallway. He could hear it chiming, and he kind of knew what time it was. But, but eventually, he was counting the chimes, you know, on one, two, three, four, all the way up to 10, 11, 12, and that broken clock chimed 13. I kid united, chimed, 13. The fellow dropped his dominoes. He got up from the table. The friend said, where are you going? He said, I got to get home. It's later than it's ever been. <laughs> I got to get home. He says, it's later than it's ever been. And so, my friend, today, it's true. It is later than it has ever been. And we need, we need to be serious about being awake. And ready for Jesus to come. Paul says. You know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up. For our salvation is nearer now. Than when we first believed. Friends. Will you with me. Say Lord Jesus. Take full possession of my life. I long to be ready for you to come. I want my life to be a witness. If you stand with me in this. Would you raise your hand right now. God bless us. Jesus is soon to come.
1: More about Jesus. More about Jesus I would know More of his grace to others show More of his saving for the sea More of his love who died for me More, more about Jesus we
0: our prayer. More and more about Jesus. Lord Jesus, come into our lives. We pray that any dark deeds like dirty clothes that you would give us the grace to shed those from our lives. We pray that you would give us, Lord Jesus, the ability to love well. May our light shine for you in such a way that many with us would be ready for your coming. Father, we acknowledge our great need of you and we recommit our lives this day as we see the signs of the times around us. May we, with joy and anticipation, look forward to that moment when the cloud will part and we will see our Savior coming. Oh, Lord, be to each one of us the number one priority of our lives. Give us your grace, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.